Are you guys ready to get to it? Awesome. So this guy by the name of Fyodor Dostoevsky. Fyodor Dostoevsky. I think I'm trying to get it right. It's like my really bad Russian accent. He said this, no man can live without worshiping something. No man can, wor- can live without worshiping something. I think that that's very interesting when we think about it because um, I don't know that we always like go through, go through our, our days thinking about, like, I'm, I'm worshiping something right now. I'm worshiping something right now. And, and the truth of the matter is, is that we really are. And so today is all about kind of going back and saying, all right, so this series about first is all about, you know, we talked about being first, and then we talked about going first, and then giving first last week. And now this week is about worship first. Um, before we t- completely dive in, if you're on the left side of your row, grab that clipboard and send it to your right. Um, I would love for you to check in with us. Let us know that you're here. One of the things that I'd love to be able to understand is just kind of like where you're at and what you're needing information about. Also, while you're doing that, how many of you guys were here last week for the Give First message? And remember that we introduced this idea of a three-month tithing challenge. So what that means is this, is that some of you are like, I didn't want you to bring that up again. Um, What that means is this, if you haven't been tithing 10% of your income and you want to, give it a try, like Malachi 3.10 says, it's like, hey, test me in this, God says. It's one of the only times God says test him. And it's like, to be able to give that tithe into the storehouse, if you haven't been tithing and you're like, "I'm, I'm willing to try it, I'm willing to try it, For 90 days, what you can do is sign that piece of paper that's near you. If you don't have one, I can get you one. And you, in order for you to be a part of the challenge, you have to give us that piece of paper because here's what the challenge involves. At the end of those 90 days, if you say, you know what, God didn't come through for me, I want my money back, we will give you your money back. So we have to know if you're in, if you're wanting to be a part of that challenge. Um, and we will be able to do that for you if you so choose and if you say at the end of those 90 days that it just, God did not come through according to what I believe I thought I, he would. And here's what's amazing, because people um, have been wrestling with this challenge because we kind of threw down and said, we're going to take God at his word and we're going to believe it and say, you know what? He says that he will provide. And so we're going to take a step of faith. And, and, and some folks are like, man, 10%, 10%. I want us to really think about that, and I'm going to talk about the other 90 in a little bit, but um, just to mention that, that 10%, a lot of us are focused on that, and that's okay, um, but we can argue some other day or like dive into like, you know, 10%, is that an Old Testament thing and all that? Let's go more New Testament. Generosity, you, if you really want to go there, that's cool. Generosity is not me giving you 10 of my 100 M&Ms. That is not generous. Generosity would be more than 10, right? And so um, I think what's interesting about 10% for us is it's like that, it's on the line of like requiring faith, like really requiring faith. Because if God asked for 1%, you'd be like, oh yeah, no problem. I can, I can live on 99. Let's go. Like 1% no problem. And if he said, I, I want 20%, all of us would be like, oh God, you're crazy. I'm not doing that. But 10%, 10% is like right there. And so I think that there's a, there's a model in Scripture that helps us, but I think that there's also just a, that number just kind of like is just a little crazy enough to cause us to really put our faith in God. And so if you're interested in that, you can fill those papers out and put them in the joy boxes after service or anytime during service if you want. And we think about now back to worshiping. Worship first. And the fact that no one, none of us can live without worshiping something, I mean, it's really about what we put our affection to, right? We can, we can worship money. We can worship food. We can worship a person. We can, we can really focus on affirmation and approval from people, and that can be what we want and what we worship. 
We can worship a situation. We, we can worship a person that we haven't met yet because it's like this relationship, this person that I want to marry someday. We can have all of our focus on that. And there's a few things in our life that I believe that are, are, are root issues, that are, that are root problems that really get in there with us and, and really throw us off of our game cause us to feel like we're disconnected from God, cause us to feel like we're disconnected from others. If you've ever felt that way, many times there's, there's a few root problems that cause that. And one of them is the tension that we feel when we're called to worship God first. And that tension is the fact that we're often fooled into worshiping something that's not worth worshiping. We're fooled into counterfeit worship. And, and counterfeit worship in scripture is called idolatry. It's, it's called putting up an idol and worshiping that thing. Worshiping something that was created that instead of worshiping the creator. And Tim Keller has a, a great quote that he says about um, idols. And he says, an idol is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and your imagination more than God. Anything that you seek to give you what you what only God can give you. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give you. After Easter, we're going to start a, a mini-series called What You Really, Really Want. And this quote kind of gets at that. And I think what's interesting about it to me is that we think that what we really, really want, that we can get that from somebody or something. And in reality, what we really, really want is to get that from God. And when some of us quiet ourselves down and slow ourselves down long enough, we get in tune with that part of us that is really wanting and desiring God. And in Scripture, we see that these idols, man, people, the people of God, they make idols, they turn to idols, they set up idols in their heart, they lift up their souls to idols, they serve idols, they consult idols, they sacrifice to idols, all these things that happen in Scripture. And the reality is that Deuteronomy 7.25 says that really what ends up happening is that we're fooled because we think that what is going to happen is that the idol is going to serve us, but what ends up happening is we end up serving the idol. So we, we say, man, you know what? I want the promotion. I want the corner office. I want th to have all the attaboys. I want all of this stuff. I want to have all that. And that somehow takes priority. It takes the position of worship in our lives. And we do everything. Our heart and our imaginations are wrapped up and absorbed by that thing. And we end up worshiping it with our lives. And the thing that we thought was going to serve us is something that we end up serving. And it traps us. And it fools us. And we get to that point, we have to uh, remember this, is that Jesus was tempted with counterfeit worship when he was in the wilderness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for today. We, we know, Lord God, that we are here because we really want to grow and that your spirit is moving inside of us. Even though we may have been dragged here today, God, we're here for a reason and for a purpose. And so, Lord, we pray that right now your spirit would teach us through your word and show us the example uh, in Jesus that we can see and apply to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. If you're, if you're following along in your Bible, um, we're going to have a couple of scriptures that we're going to go to in Luke and in Romans. But if you want to turn to Acts 16, that's where I would hang out. But first we're going to do Luke 4. And this is where Jesus is brought into the wilderness, and, and he's tempted in three specific areas. And this one area is the, in, in the area of counterfeit worship. It says this, the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. If you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus was determined and he was grounded in what he would worship. It didn't come, he didn't get this temptation from Satan and he, he didn't say, you know what, 
It's a really good offer, Satan. Let me just go back and think about it for a second because there's a lot on the table right now. He didn't say that. He went right to the word of God. He was grounded. He was determined. And he had made this decision that he would not make this trade before he was even tempted. And so we see that actually our worship in in this sense, Jesus' worship is, is kind of, he's tempted to trade it for all of this authority and all this splendor that's before him. Satan says, hey, you know what? If you trade your worship and you worship me, then I'll give this all to you. Did you ever think about the fact that your worship can be traded? That there's something that happens when we turn that over and that we make that trade. Um, Jesus refuses that trade. He refuses that trade. If you look at Romans chapter 1, um, you see that there's a, a passage that really exemplifies this really clearly. It says that they exchanged, they traded the truth about God for a lie. So he said, you know what, here's the truth, I'll take the lie. Makes no sense, right? But that's what, that's what that scripture is saying. You know what, I'm going to trade the truth, you take the truth, I'm going to take the lie, and I'm going to worship a created thing rather than the creator who is forever praised. You guys all see the trade there. The trade of truth for a lie, the trade for um, God, I'll, I'll give you God, and I'm going to take the created stuff. And this is, this is like, seems very silly, right, that we would ever make this trade, but aren't we tempted with that all the time? We're tempted with that all the time. Hebrews 12, last week, um, at the very end of the service, we were talking a little bit about that. And the fact that in Hebrews 12, it talks about that God is going to shake everything. He's going to shake it all down. He's going to shake the heavens and the earth. And the only thing that's going to remain are the heavens because the, all of the other stuff are the created things. And what's interesting is that we often, will, we, we are tempted to worship the things that are going to be shaken and go away. And, and, and here we see again in Romans where it's like this trade. And the trade is, is to turn. We, we turn away from God and we turn to and we turn things into idols. We turn to these things, these created things. Um, Acts 16, classic, right? It's uh, Paul and Silas in prison. And you know, if I was, if, they, the, if you look at Acts 16, they're kind of preaching and they're kind of getting in trouble and then they get thrown in jail and it's, it's the wee hours of the morning, you know, and it's probably not a real nice prison. It's probably not great, but, you know, if Daniel and I, if we're in prison, chained up, I wouldn't be, my suggestion to you would not be, let's, uh, let's maybe like pray a little bit and maybe praise God right now. I'd be like, do, did I get my phone call? Do, I need, how much is bail? Like, did I, was it that bad? You know, can I, can I get out? Um, anybody we know got a key? Like, that might work. That, that's cool. Bolt cutters. I don't know. I wouldn't be saying, let's pray and let's praise God. Some of you are in this situation where, and maybe you've, if you think about this, have you ever been in a situation where you're like, man, this thing in my life is immovable? Like, this situation that I have right now is completely immovable. Maybe it's a, a, a relationship, but man, this thing is just not resolving. Like, it's got to get worked out. Like, I just cannot, and I don't see it. There's no movement at all. Maybe some of us are in a situation where we feel trapped, like in a, either a situation or a relationship or, or a job where you're just like, man, I have been in this situation and I, I feel very trapped. I feel like I'm being held hostage. My time is not my own. My, my, I, I can't really feel like there's no freedom here. Maybe some of you have been in a situation or are in one right now where you look around and you see zero opportunities <laughs> Like, you have been praying for open doors, and you've been praying for these opportunities, and you do not see them. You're like, man, God, what is the problem? Why are all the doors closed to me? I think all of us have been 
at a point in our lives where we have struggles and issues that we've been bound up by, things that have, have almost handcuffed us, and, and we have this, this thing that we carry around with us that we just don't want anyone to know. It's a wound. It's a, it's a situation. It's something that you did or had done to you, and those things are things that you don't want to talk about. You'd much prefer just to kind of move on, but you walk through life and you're bound. Some of us have been in a situation where we uh, maybe we're far from God, but we're searching for something, and, and we got around the people of God and the presence of God, and it somehow changed us. I, I love how, you know, people experience God here, because, I mean, it, it happens everywhere, all, all different churches, all around this community and in the country and around the world, but it's amazing to me when people come in and they, they say the music, man, it's so amazing. There's such a freedom to worship. And here's what I'll tell you is that the presence of God is irresistible to the searching soul. Now, if somebody comes in that gets dragged here and is like, you know what, I hate God. This is not a thing. Yeah, it's going to be, they're going to they're gonna work to resist that. But to the searching soul, the soul that's really looking for something, some hope, something that they can put their hands on, that they can say, okay, finally, I found it. To the searching soul, the presence of God is irresistible. Some of you have felt that, that presence. So when you look at Acts 16, how does it relate to all that? Well, they begin to pray, and they begin to praise, and what ends up happening is that something that's immovable moves. There was an earthquake. Has anybody ever been in an earthquake? I've, I've, heard, I've heard that it's very, very disconcerting because the, the earth is not supposed to move. It never moves, right? It never, it never moves. Beyond the fact that we're like, aren't we hurtling through space at like 150,000 miles an hour or something crazy? But other than that, the earth is not supposed to move. And when it does, it freaks us out. But when they begin to pray and to praise, the earth literally begins to move. And so that which was immovable begins to move. And in some of us, what we need to realize is when we worship God first, not the job, not the person, not the money, not the affirmation, but when we worship God first, the things in our life that seem immovable begin to move. And some of you have had that experience. When, when they began to pray and to praise, not only did the earthquake, but the very thing that was holding them in, the prison began to shake. And when we worship God first, what happens is those things, those things that hold us hostage, those things that we feel trapped by, Jesus begins to release that and to shake that down so that we don't have to be bound up by that. We don't have to be trapped if you feel trapped, let me tell you that that is not God's best for you. God has something better for you than that, to be released in that prison in your life, to be shaken down. What's the third thing that happens if you're following along is that the doors begin to fly open. So when you begin to worship God first and in the very present, when you, you might be worshiping God at your job, and I'm not talking about like singing oceans while you're like sweeping a floor, all right? I'm talking about you might be sweeping a floor, singing oceans in your mind, but you know, you're just doing a good job, right, Kathy? It's all right? But you would worship God at your job. You can do this kind of stuff. But you might be in a situation, even in a service like this, where you see no way possible that you can figure out how to pay your taxes tomorrow. You're welcome. That's the reminder. Get it done. You know, it's the 14th, folks. Give unto Caesar. Um, huh. I'm giving a lot to Caesar. I don't like Caesar right now. So, so the, the, the idea is that, man, right in the middle of it, you might be praising God, and there is going to be an, an, a door that's going to open for you, an opportunity for you that you're not, you're not going to be able to see because you're so focused on the thing, the created thing, that is not worth worshiping, cannot solve your problem, and you're trying to say, give me my answer, and it's got nothing. Or maybe you are walking um, 
with all these bags you know, on our back. And then we, some of us have been through so much life, we've got like suitcases like doubled up on both fists and we're walking in like imagination, okay? We're walking into church and we have all these bags and we put them down. And we're like, okay, finally I can just worship God, play the music, guys, start singing, take, take me to that point where I can, and we don't realize that the chains are still on our wrists. And you know what? In, in worship, when we begin to worship God first, what happens is those chains begin to fall off of us. And those things that God wants us to work through that may take a lot of time, they begin to break off of us when we worship God first. And what's really cool, do you know what the fifth thing that happened? So the earth shook, the prison shook, the doors opened, and the, and the handcuffs came off. The chains came off of them. Do you know what the fifth thing is that happened? The jailer got saved. And the whole family of the jailer got saved. So what happens when we worship God first? In the middle of the prison, in the middle of the dungeon, the dirt, and the grime, we worship God first, people get saved. You know, and maybe you've experienced it, when you walk in and you sense that there is a God and that he cares about you, there is nothing better than surrendering our life in the midst of God's presence. And we know that we know that we know that we know that he is the one that's worthy of our praise and he is the one that we're going to worship first. What are we learning to do? What we're learning to do, Paul and Silas, they show us that we are going to turn our worship from worthless things and turn it to God to worship first. That's what we're learning to do. That we're going to, let me say it again, that we're going to turn our worship away from wor wor worthless things and we're going to turn it to God to worship first. So uh, let's have a little dialogue here. Breaksies, check in with me. Why don't we worship God first? This is the time when you chime in feel free. What's that? Busy. We're too busy. Alarm goes off. It's too hard. Why else do we not worship God first? Self-centered. Absolutely. I heard one over here. We're distracted by what we can see. Interesting. Um, that Keller quote talked about the fact that the things that we worship that are idols that absorb our heart, and what was the other word? Our imagination. The first song we're going to do is called Beautiful. Some of you guys like that song. Um, and it's all about imagery. And the interesting thing about worship is that worship really engages our imagination. And to allow us to begin to, to, to have a connection with God about all the things that he represents to us. It's good. Why else do we not worship God first? Yes, sir. Doesn't change the, in, the situation instantly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Makes me think of a C.S. Lewis quote. Something to the effect of he thinks what he said was that hell is a place where people can get anything they want simply by imagining it. And we're very close because we want everything fixed now. We want our fix now. Solve it now. And when we worship, sometimes it doesn't happen instantly. It's super good. Why else? This side of the room, help me out. Not calling out. What's that? Stress at work. Absolutely, man. It's like right in your face, like right here. How do I like, take time to worship? What's that? Lazy. <laughs> we think we're bad at it. Yeah. So she said that she thinks that we, we worship busyness. Yeah. And so worship is, being still is hard. And that's really true. That goes back to be first, right? Like this whole idea like, you know what? I'm really busy. I'm busier than you. Oh, Amazing. I don't think, she said, I don't think we're used to going to God first. Yeah. It's not a habit. Big L. Procrastination. Yeah, I'll do it later. Yeah, absolutely. Sunday's coming. I'm sure Joe's got a decent message. Maybe the music will be all right. Yes, sir. Ooh, yeah, that's a big one, right? Trying to solve stuff on our own, for sure. 
you know, it's the same answer just to kind of play along week four now. I think on top of all of that, what I'll throw down is fear. And I think the fear is this, is God really who he says he is? And does he really want to provide for me? And is he really trustworthy? And will I ever be able to answer these questions confidently in the affirmative? He wants to provide for me. He wants to be trusted. He is trustworthy. He wants my heart more than anything. I think that those are all amazing answers. And I think the interesting thing is Tozer said this. He said, idolatry is asking the question, what is God like, and getting the answer wrong. What is God like? Oh, he's not trustworthy. Uh, then we, what happens? What happens when we get the answer wrong? I'll go right to you, man. It's we take matters into our own hands. We say, you know what, if, if, if I can't trust God, what I'm going to do, I'm not going to worship him first. I'm not used to it. I'm a little bit lazy. It's hard. I'm really busy. I'm stressed. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to worship that thing. I'm going to actually park the worship of God there, and I'm going to figure out how to do this on my own. And we turn to someone or something to solve our problems. And idolatry is when we... We put all of our, our heart and our imagination into something that, that we think can give us what only God can give us. And so we think about this. We think about, okay, what are we doing right now? And this is kind of like a diagnostic moment for us, right? Because it really causes us to say, okay, where is my priority? When it comes to worship, when it comes to my affection, and when it comes to what I'm really focused on in my life, where is God in that priority list? Is God right there? And do we see our life as worship to God, or is it simply Sunday morning? Um, the way that I would say this is this is a reminder for us. It's so silly to actually think that I'm going to put this on the screen. But it's this, is that worthless things are not worth worshiping. Worthless things are not worth worshiping. Say that seven times fast. <laughs> but when you say that something that's worthless isn't worth it, duh. But don't we need that reminder? Because every single day we're tempted over and over again. Maybe you guys, no slide for this, maybe you guys are familiar, familiar with 1 Corinthians 10. Verse 13 talks about temptation. Because really when it comes down to it, Jesus was tempted to bring his worship to a different place, to a counterfeit place. And in 1 Corinthians 10, it talks about the fact, like, guess what? You're never going to be tempted beyond what you can handle. And there will always be an escape. Awesome. And so what we do is we try to muster it up inside of us to say, okay, this is really tough right now, but let me tell you, I got it in me. I can make sure that I find that escape hatch and I'm good. But we don't read verse 14 because there's like this, this uh, division, a chapter. Not, it's not a, another chapter. It's, a, it's just a different section of that chapter. And that wasn't in the Bible originally, you know? So we read chapter, uh, verse 13, you're not going to be tempted, and we're like, we can do it. And then, then verse 14, it says this, therefore flee idolatry. So our battle against temptation isn't to muster it up, it's to say, what am I putting my focus on that isn't God, and I need to put my focus back on God and prioritize worshiping him first and all of a sudden, I am able to break some chains of temptation. Is anybody getting there? So um, there's a few things that I think that we can apply this to, and then we're going to just, we're going to worship. We need to get to it. Um, number one, you can worship next week at the Easter offering. We're gonna, we, we don't normally pass an offering plate, but next week we're going to take an offering. If you want, you're not going to be here and you want to give today, just mark it special on an envelope, drop it in the joy box, Awesome. We're going to give this offering to the leadership stuff that we're doing and really pour it into the next generation and those community leaders that will be here um, and, and really pour that into the community through leadership, and I'm excited about that. Things that we're not budgeted that are going to be able to see, and we're going to be able to worship God next week with that offering. 
You can also um, worship God through the, the tithing challenge. And you can say, okay, you know what? I am going to take this challenge and I'm going to worship God. And I'm going to tell you right now, the 10% is what you give. But real quick, this is, the, this is the interesting news for you. Once you get done wrestling with that 10%, your focus moves very quickly to the other 90. And you start to ask this question, how can I worship God with that 90%? Because of my suggestion to you is for those three months, if you take the challenge, is not to, to give the 10 and live like the devil with the other 90 because you're going to be asking for your money back. The question is, is if you say, I'm going to give that 10, I'm going to worship God with the other 90, how should I spend it? How should I save it? I'm going to worship God with all 100%. Easiest thing you could do is just hunker down here <laughs> and come back tonight at 6 o'clock for a worship night led by our student team that's going to blow your socks off. They've been practicing since like 1994. It's amazing. They were just, they were, before they were born, they were playing. They were like figuring it out. But they have been practicing so, so much, and they're excited. And we've got young, young kids that are, that are just like just doing amazing stuff. And we can spend some time saying, you know what, God, it is, a, it is a rough time in my life. I feel like I'm in prison. I feel like there's immovable things in my life. I feel like there's this stuff that I'm, I'm, I'm chained up by. There's doors that are closed. And I just want to dedicate a little bit of time tonight to really just worship you first. There's all kinds of places where we can do this. The band can come up. And, uh, and as we go into worship, <laughs> we've been worshiping this whole time. But as we go into music, these songs are designed for us to really engage and to do some work in this area of our life, to ask ourselves these questions and, and to say, you know what, where is it that my life needs to be adjusted? Um, interesting thing that Keller goes on to say about um, idolatry is that an idol can't be, simply be removed. It needs to be replaced, supplanted. It needs to be supplanted, and it needs to be supplanted by something and someone. And it's not just a belief in God, and it's not like mustering up like, oh, yes, now I'm just going to really, I'm going to focus on God more. I'm just going to remember to like, when I wake up, I'll be like, praise you, Jesus. Like, like just, okay, worship you first. Yes, Joe, I did it. No, it's actually not that. It's an encounter with God. Listen to what I'm saying. It's an encounter with God that it needs to, be, needs to be the replacement of the idol. We need to have an experience with Jesus in order for us to see idolatry broken in our lives and to allow us to come back to worshiping him first. So, um, so today, why don't you guys stand? And there are several ways that you can do this. You can find a place in a warehouse to worship. You can scoot out of your chair. These moved. It's all good. You can find a place to kneel, raise your hands. You can observe communion. We have the communion elements available to you. If you'd like to worship that way, this is something we do um, about once a month at Second Place where you can just kind of like sneak out during the, one of the next few songs and you can... Um, Remember the sacrifice of Jesus by yourself, with friends, with family. And most of all, I think just being able to say, God, in the next few minutes, help us to kind of check in with you. Lord, where is it that I've allowed my heart and my imagination to be traded? And I've given that over to something. Lord, help us to have the awareness of our heart right now about where our worship is really focused. Lord, I pray that all the reasons that were stated, the fear, the stress, the laziness, not knowing how to, not being used to it, like all of that would kind of fade away, Lord, and that we would just simply focus on you. Help us, Lord, as we learn, as we learn from you, Jesus, about how to worship you first. And from Paul and Silas and how they were able to worship you first in the middle of a, of a prison. I pray for those of us that now that are literally feeling like we're in a prison. Lord, I pray for release today as we come before you with our praise. In Jesus' name.
on Wednesday nights, our students meet at 6.30, and we are uh, in the midst of putting together and working through our own curriculum, and uh, we're going through the entire Bible. It's great until you get to the book of Leviticus, which was last week. And it's interesting because Leviticus kind of introduces some things, some feasts and festivals and things for the people of God to, to celebrate what God is doing in their midst. And so we talked about that. And so we took junior high and high school students to the book of Leviticus this past Wednesday. Five gold stars for our student coaches. And you know what we did is we, we got a mic and a mic stand. It was probably this one and put it right here. And I just said, you know, part of worshiping God first is to really, like, declare something amazing that has happened, is happening in our lives, maybe in our life or someone that we know. And so I said, okay, so I'm going to do, I'm going to go first. And so I said, um, I'm actually, this is a new one for today. So this morning I was having a, a conversation with a buddy of mine and we were talking about tears and crying. And as guys, you don't really, like, to talk about that like we're not supposed to cry but you know what's really cool about tears is I just feel like there's something very connected to the heart of God like he collects our tears he he notices our our sorrow or our joy and so it was just an awesome conversation to say let's not hold back the tears maybe but let's allow those to flow if they want to and so today what, what what I would do is on Wednesday we kind of like shared something like that and then I would say I just want to praise God for tears and then you guys would all go woo yeah so yeah it was like something like that you know so now um, it's your turn Mike is on and if you have something you want to praise God for worship God with, something in your life or somebody you know, that guy's on. We're going to hang for a second here. December, a week before Christmas, I got laid off from my job, um, which was horrible. Uh, but, you know, I prayed and trusted God. And uh, this past week, I started a new job that I never would have even considered. And it just, it feels like I'm supposed to be there. couple days um, sorry have been very difficult uh, something that I had been uh, praying for and hoping for for a really really long time uh, seemed like it was right there on the horizon and then it just wasn't uh, and so that was really tough I'm still dealing with that but in the midst of that somehow and it's kind of annoying sometimes but somehow there's this like pit of joy and I was talking to one of my students about it because we were talking about hard times um, earlier before this happened uh, and I was just remembering it today about how um, you know somehow no matter how deep you get cut there's like this steel guard around the deepest part of your heart and nothing can penetrate it and so even in the past two days even when I wanted to just sit around and mope and pout and cry um, there have been these incredible moments of just joy bubbling up and sometimes I'm like no I want to be sad right now but it's this beautiful reminder of like I will be okay and there is still joy and there is still love um, and so I just want to praise God for the joy in the midst of a lot of pain.
December, I was looking for a summer job because the one I worked at last summer didn't work out again this summer. But um, I got into contact with my boss from 2017 and I got rehired to work at a Christian summer camp in New Mexico this summer for a travel camp. take a little exposition, so I'm, I'm sorry. Um, but I want to talk about teenagers and how awesome they are. Uh, so this is, again, going to take some explaining. Um, so I'm, I'm a townie, but I go to Olivet. So this is my home church. I've been going here for about five years. And so the youth group here is my youth group, and I've been a part of it continually since I'm not still a student. I don't know if that wasn't clear. Um, so I'm a youth ministry major. That's my thing. Love this sort of thing. And I took a semester break off my freshman year from the youth group to have some distance with the students, obviously. And my first week as a leader was our associate pastor's last week being here um, and I was ripped apart and crushed by that because I had such a close bond with him he was moving with little to no explanation far away he was my mentor and he was just gone and I didn't know what to do felt very lost our youth group didn't have a leadership team for a very long time it was kind of just us running around with our heads cut off trying to figure out the right thing for our students. It felt wrong to do that to the high schoolers because they deserved better, right? Yeah, everyone deserves better. Um, and it's been taking a lot of praying and figuring out what we needed to do to make them thrive because if you've met any of the high schoolers from this church, you will know that they are incredible, incredible people. If you got coffee this morning, it was served to you by one of our students. Usually, yeah. <laughs> if um, you have kids that go to the rooms in the back, usually it's led by a teenager. Tonight is going to be led by teenagers. Teenagers make this church run and they deserve so much good, right? So about a year ago, we put, yeah, about a year ago exactly, we put in place a leadership team of four people to fill in the space for the youth pastor, because we still don't have one. Um, so three of us are former students, one of us is a mom of a student here, and it has been a frightening, frightening, frightening experience, at least on my end, because I'm still just a kid and I'm scared all of the time. <laughs> and I think I'm finding out that adulthood is just, you're a taller baby. Um, <laughs> I, I learned how to hold my head up, but that's the only difference. Um, so we've been trying to figure out how to experiment without depleting what the students are learning, still trying to make it worthwhile, trying to figure out what's right. And so we had this crazy, stupid idea of going through the whole, whole Bible in three years. And so if, I'm so sorry, if you're a parent and your, your kids come home and been like, we learned about design pattern and biblical narrative or Leviticus. And you thought, who thought that was a good idea? It was me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Joe lets us do crazy, crazy things. And I'm so grateful for it. But God has been moving like crazy in the past few months, just giving us strength and determination to do weird things. The students have been learning and thriving and growing because of the support that are that people are giving them. It's not anything that the leaders have done. It's literally all God. It's been blowing my mind. Every week after youth group, I am just decimated and down just because I can't comprehend what God is doing in this group of people. Um, it's amazing that you guys are willing to share, write, and talk, but when we did this on Wednesday night, there were no gaps, literally none. Every single time someone would put the microphone down, someone else would come and run right up because God is moving and they're not afraid to share it. Tonight, if you come here, there's gonna be students right up front worshiping because God is moving in the youth group in this church, which is just amazing and I'm getting very worked up and I'm gonna stop now, but God is awesome and he's moving in these young people and if you're panicking about Gen Z and having like the it was better before mentality, it probably was because it was your thing, 
but panicking about youth leaving the church is not the right thing. Start thinking about what you can do for the people around you. Equip them because God is willing to assist you in that. Okay, I'm going to stop. <laughs> Hi. Oh. <laughs> so, um, okay, well, it was March, and I was reapplying for a job that I'm currently in. Um, I'm in Res Life, and I love it. I absolutely love pouring into freshmen and just um, being someone that can help them in their lives. And I reapplied for the job, and I got it in apartments. Um, and I was like super happy, like, wow, okay, everything's working out. This is good. Um, and I had to step down from the job because my grades were sucky. So, um, and I thought, okay, this is it. Um, I'm gonna, I was planning on, okay, how am I gonna, my goods are just horrible, and it was not good, and I was thinking about coming home, gonna drop out, I'm not gonna do it, because I just didn't know why it was all of it, I didn't know, I didn't have anything I was, like, doing that I loved, um, and in a span of, like, two weeks, God just put people in my life that poured into me and said, no, we're gonna help you get through this, and we're gonna find something that you love, and we you can come back another semester and God provided funds and God provided people and God provided a way and open doors that I thought weren't gonna open. And so instead of um, coming back and being in res life, God allowed me to come back and play volleyball again, which is something I really wanted to do. So I am praising God for all the open doors that he gives. for um, the opportunity to let go and the opportunity to say no, um, even though that's really hard. Um, saying no means saying yes to empty hands. And uh, the only way we can receive is by having our hands empty. Um, so sometimes letting go of things we think are or thought were good um, is saying yes to God's light burden and giving him our one that we've taken upon ourselves to carry that's not ours to carry. Um, so shifting that mindset is difficult, but he is so good and he wants to give us every good thing and we get to let him by letting go and that's something to be so thankful. in November of 75 and we had 44 wonderful years together. She was my advocate when he had a minor stroke eight years ago and I was her advocate when she had to go through a couple of surgeries. But um, yeah, um, she had three different surgeries and, and now um, this July she'll be gone two years and she's looking down on us and I feel very blessed because I got baptized as past summer and I kept a promise to her that I would get baptized and she got baptized here at Second Place Church uh, many years ago. <laughs> so um, yeah and I have eight grandchildren now, now and uh, uh, yeah I'm, I'm still working and I'm still physically active and so it's pretty amazing. So um, yeah God's been very good to us. And like I said, I had 44 good years with Vicki. So some of you are like, when's he going to shut it down? Like, it's not easy to shut this down, right? Um, and uh, the mic is still on, but... Uh, What's difficult is is when, like on Wednesday, you know, students came up to me afterwards, like, "Oh, I was gonna go up there and say something, and I decided not to, and I wish I would have." So, last call. Okay. Okay, I'm certainly not gonna do any justice to my life and God moving in it. Um, but just something I wanted to share, I'm going to try not to fall apart, but it'll be a good fall apart. Um, Wednesday, I had a friend let me in on something 
was literally life or death. And um, Wednesday morning just crushed me. And um, I kind of was like, I need to go into meeting mode. <laughs> I can't process this right now. And I just couldn't go into meeting mode. And uh, luckily I was in the right meeting at the right time and God just orchestrated everything. Um, but I remember just kind of got released from the meeting. I got prayed over wonderful people at this church and um, looked into the situation with me and prayed with me and I just went to the bathroom and just cried and just kneeled down and I was just like, God, I, just, I don't, I know that you're going to make a way. I don't know what that looks like. Um, and I'm just going to be here for my friend no matter what happens. And it was so difficult. Um, but God started to make a way and <laughs> I started to pull myself together only because I was able to just praise him and go take a shower and wipe away the tears and he helped me wipe them away. Um, and I was able to be strong for my friends and um, just from the grace of God, it ended well. Um, I just wanna give him praise. Hey guys, um, so Joe was talking about like sometimes you're worshiping and you don't realize you're still shackled and everything and then sometimes you're in situations where you've given it all to God and you've prayed for healing but that load is less you don't realize you're still shackled and sometimes like it comes back and just hits you and this week's been rough um, just a lot of reminders but even though it has been rough like God is still good like even though we're going through things um, or you still have things to go through sometimes unforeseen but God knows what they are like he's still good and even though like I've been crying and tears are great because it shows like love and God and everything that um, he's just still providing me with like people and encouragement in the most random ways which is just encouraging so yeah whatever you're going through I just want to be an encouragement to you that sometimes life hits hard sometimes you have things that you need to go through and I just encourage you to go through that pain and to work through it so then God can work through you and you can just continue to healing and be fully enveloped by God. So. It's good. It's good. To be able to do that and take some time. And uh, the weather's bad, guys. I don't know why you're rushing out of here. It's just going to be slippery and you're going to end up in a ditch possibly. I don't know. But we'll praise God and worship him first from the side of the road. So this has been good. And I, I hope that you guys um, can see, like, you can't really orchestrate this. And, and it's why we've never done this, actually, uh, on, a, on a weekend like this. And I think uh, we need to do it more often because who knew that God was moving in so many people's lives, right? So second place is you go today. May you be light in dark places God, we meet, may, may we be that encouraging word. Lord, may we help um, a, a person next to us or a person in our family or someone that we work with or go to school with, Lord, see you in the midst of their storm, in the midst of their prison. God, that you would allow us to worship you first. Help us to check in with you in the mornings and be able to really live our lives out of worship to you and help us to avoid that trade, that trade to trade our worship for something that's worthless. We thank you, God, for all of this. You are a good, good God. And thank you for the testimonies from Wednesday, the testimonies from last night, the testimonies from this morning at nine and those that were at this service. God, we thank you for all that you're doing and we give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys. Have a great, great week.